Welcome, Barflies and Bears friends. Uh, Bear football here. I'm filling in for John Buffone, and uh, Tyler Ellis should be joining us in a little while. Uh, Danny Shimon is with me right now, and uh, uh, incredibly discouraging loss, uh, a second half by the Chicago Bears, particularly their offense. That looked like they had taken their foot off the accelerator, and um, – what we're left with now is just counting the weeks and, and hoping that the NFL draft gets underway. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, that, that turning point of that game was, was that play calling when, when the ball, after that big completion to uh, and kill Harry for 49 yards, the bears were looked like they're in prime position to put some more points up just when green Bay had gotten, had gotten close there. And, uh, and they go conservative. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, first of all, they didn't run Justin Fields, which whatever it is, what it is, but you know, the third and four, third and five, and they take the ball out of his hands. So like, you know, let this, you know, burgeoning star, or, you, know, you know, a future all pro in, in the making, let him take over the game, let him do his thing here. And they went conservative. And this is one of the things why, why I, I don't like defensive minor head coaches. They're always by nature, just freaking conservative. Hmm. And they always play the safe way. And then obviously, you know, he did that. I don't know if, again, I'm assuming, you know, if, if Getsy wanted to go for it, obviously Ibrahim as a head coach can override him. I'm assuming that that came from the head coach to go for the, uh, you know, the, the conservative approach there. Uh, hopefully they'll ask him that and, and we'll bring it up in the post game here. But uh, just, I mean, right there, you obviously you go conservative. You, the field goal is blocked. Packers just drive down a football field and on a long drive, take over, you know, take over uh, uh, the lead there. And, and, and then the Bears obviously on, looks like positive. Trying to, Justin's bringing them back here. And then St. Brown is, is late getting out of his out of his route. Uh, you know, doesn't stand quick enough. Uh, Alexander jumps the route and picks him off. So that that's the first of, of, of two interceptions for Justin. Um, obviously, three turnovers to none for the Packers. You know, the Bears are not good enough. Even though Green Bay has been struggling, the Bears were not good enough to overcome something like that—a three three to zero deficit in terms of the turnover column. So you know, it's it just a, a young team that kept them in there. Secondary kept them in there in the first half. And then just it just looked like Aaron Rodgers just kind of woke up in the second half and he, and he took over and a couple couple Bears mistakes on 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 offense and of course the conservative play calling I think really doomed the Bears today and and for those who are working for a high draft picks you got your wish <laughs> exactly well yeah I'm, I'm, I was rooting for a win and a high draft pick but you can't have everything in life uh, Tyler Ellis is uh, joining us here Tyler Danny just gave his opening thoughts and and talked about what. Uh, transpired in the game. I, I mentioned that Luke uh, Getzey perhaps should be, be called Luke No Gutsy because uh, he really, you know, took a very conservative approach. And Danny uh, confirmed that my opinion there took a very conservative approach with the play calling and taking the ball out of Justin Fields' hands. I mean, Justin Fields finishes the game 20 out of 25 
uh, for uh, 254 yards. He had the two interceptions late in the game, which, you know, you could say those are desperation throws and stuff. Uh, would love to see him finish games stronger, but, uh, you know, it, it's those two interceptions, I'm not going to hold that against him, but he does have to turn that around. Tyler, your thoughts, please. I mean, um, I I agree with Danny. I think I think the Bears front office. This goes back to that guy's statement a couple of weeks ago. Are we doing it on purpose? Because it's it's just, it's just very very funny that we're so aggressive in the first half, and we have opportunity to play a complete game, gentlemen. We were winning the entire game. We're normally fighting from behind against the Packers all the time, but we allow them to take um, the momentum shift and to Justin. I think this is going to be one of those great games for a tape because when he goes back and just looks at himself, he'll be able to see he gave some of those defenders time to get back in position when he kept just like delaying the pass a little bit. And so um, my initial thoughts is like, damn, we almost had him. I hate the Packers, bro. Mm -hmm. Like I really wanted us to like win this game, but it sucks. But at the same time, hey, we still got the number two spot. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, Danny, I'd love for you to talk about this defense because, you know, while there was some questionable play calling going on on the other side, too, with the Green Bay Packers, uh, I, I was I was surprised at how conservative they were and that the fact that they weren't testing this inexperienced secondary more often. And then when they did, uh, late in the game, they were successful. But I would love for you to comment, Danny, on these young players that uh, populated the secondary today with uh, – three of the four starters out. I thought they played heroically. Uh, the results weren't great, but uh, they weren't bad, were they? No, they weren't. And I, like I said, they kept them in the game for, for most of that first half and most of the third quarter, if you will. And, you know, guys like Elijah Hicks, the seven-round pick safety from, from Cal, made a start today opposite DeAndre Houston Carson filling in for Eddie Jackson and, and Brisker. And I think he played, played – and that touchdown to, to uh, Christian Watson – you know, he was in position. It just he just wasn't he was playing the receiver, not playing the, the, the quarterback in the pocket. And he just kind of looked real late. And by the time he he kind of realized the ball was coming, the ball was already in, in the hands of, of the receiver. And so that was a touchdown there. But I think overall he, he quit himself, you know. Of course, we'll look at the all 22 and just kind of break everything down. But I mean, just off of first glance, he looked like he was there in terms of run defense. Jalen Jones, the, the corner, rookie corner, who's done it all year, really. When he whenever he's asked to fill in, whether it's for an injured Jalen Johnson or and today for a for injured uh, Kendall Vildor, I think he held up his own to him there as well. Josh Blackwell, who's been just primarily a guy on, on special teams, came in and played nickel corner today, and I think he ended up playing some some pretty pretty good snaps there as well. So we saw a guy like Andrew Brown, defensive tackle, picked up off the way off uh, practice squad from the uh, from the Arizona Cardinals, I believe. You know, he was there today making, you know, he didn't make any things in terms of like big plays, but he was there. He flashed a couple times, you know, whether he is the first place in the division. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Whether he moved the quarterback in the pocket or, or he provided some sort of pressure up in the middle. So, you know, those guys were, were playing their, their asses off to be, to be quite frank. And I think they're out there, you know, putting it all on the line. And that's why I said, I think maybe that might caught, caught Green Bay offensively off, off the market in the industry. I thought they might thought it might've been an easier time, but. You know they came out there and they said they, they put they did their best and and just unfortunate that the, the kind of they don't get a, a victory for their effort but uh, you know to me it's it's I got excited about seeing some of these young guys making plays out there and and, I, and you say what you want to say about the the Green Bay offense it's not what it was past couple of seasons but and this I got playmakers out there. they still got Aaron Rodgers out there a future Hall of Famer they still got those those two beast running backs 
you know, Christian Watson's been on a tear in terms of a rookie receiver. So, you know, they were, they kept them in check for that first half or, or for at least three quarters, I would say. And, uh, you know, hats off to those guys and hopefully we'll see more of them, you know, you know, going down here in the season. Yeah. Tyler, I was just going to ask you basically what Danny uh, covered here in the last few seconds of, uh, of him speaking is that, you know, these Packers have been much maligned, but they do have talent. And the, the, the young receivers they have on, on this team, Romeo Dubs didn't play today, but Christian Watson has been on fire. And so when this young secondary in a, a rivalry game, uh, in December shows up with the heart that they did against an Aaron Rodgers-led offense with promising players at the wide receiver and proven veterans at the running back position and tight end position. Pretty pretty damn impressive, right? I mean, I, I, I don't I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of split because um Aaron Rodgers, they they where the Packers are at right now. They they have like playoff Super Bowl aspirations. Like this is they they let Devon they they parted ways with um Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers came back because we were gonna get it done this year. And they faced some adversity early on because they weren't on rhythm. That being said, to hats off to our young defense, our torn apart defense for holding their own against this playoff. This team is was 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 picked. All first weeks of the season to win the division, hands down, to make a deep run. Like these are the same wide receivers that they said they, they were comfortable with their first five weeks of the season, that they were going to go all the way. And so I like Watson. This is like his third game in a row with over three, four games in a row with two touchdowns. Um, I think our DBs got lost towards the end of the game, Aldo. And so it is impressive. AJ Dillon, um, Jones, we know they're great. I feel like the Packers were right for the picking. This was a game that we could win. But it all being said, like, our front seven isn't what it used to be in terms of creating pressure. You give you give any Hall of Famer time, he's going to dial you up at some point in time. And so um, it was a good fault game. Sometimes you just wonder when ugly. But um, in terms of, like, Watson and these guys, like, the Packers knew what they were doing. Like, they, 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 they did this. And, and this is why I feel like the Bears are coming because the Bears are trying to find themselves and the Packers have built this. Like, I want to say in terms of a rebuild, the Packers may be a year or two ahead of the Bears because if you just go by the Packers' last couple of draft picks, these were the wide receivers they picked. These are, They got high defensive picks. And so um, I'm, I'm actually excited. I'm more excited about the future of the Chicago Bears because the Packers, they stole. They stole a damn. They stole this damn game out though. In the mm -hmm. last, in in the second half, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I'm on record as saying, you know, I really wanted them to win this game. I was passionate about it, but at the same time, you know, I know where we are in terms of the rebuild. We just don't have the talent. Now we could, you know, go back and say we should have won this game, even with the talent. And I, and I won't argue with you. But, you know, we could have easily have won this game if this team had more talent, which hopefully Ryan Pulse is going to accomplish that goal through the draft and through free agency and bringing in quality talent that's going to make big plays when we need big plays done. Yeah, I mean, um, guys, with a banged up secondary with two rookies starting, making the first career start, they only held Aaron Rodgers to 185 yards passing. Mm -hmm. And and and, I, and then, uh, you know that, that that to me is is yeoman's work for for a young you know young team. So, especially with no front four providing any sort of uh, pass rush at, at Aaron Rodgers whatsoever, you know, minus like a blitz here and there, 
you know, uh, maybe maybe a couple of times where where they actually made him move move his feet. But I mean, just to me, that that that's that's uh, some yeoman man's work. That I just hope you know, wish they had got, got W just to kind of for their effort. But and with the point you just made, Aldo, about um about how the defense held him everything. But let's go back to the initial question. Our play caller went to more conservative. So if we have more talent, what's to say that Getty doesn't do this again? Because I felt like we had them. I felt like we had them when once they figured us out, they they got in rhythm towards the, se- the end of the second quarter and maybe midway through the third quarter. But um, you could probably put those interceptions that Justin had. But like Getty, the players are the player. We we finally dialed up something to the kill Harry. I that that play was like finally okay. How do we talk about this a couple weeks ago? Throw it, <laughs> like throw it. It's it's the law of averages. You got to give a guy a shot to find out what he can do for you. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, when you when we saw him go away from the aggressive play calls, it allowed the Packers to get their thing together because the Packers are running their same, they they're running their same stuff. They they're not doing anything new. We're the ones learning something new. And so, like, that being said, I just feel like if we would have stayed aggressive, we could have won the game. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Uh, and Danny, uh, J2K is saying you got to give credit to Alan Williams, you know, to get that young secondary uh, going. And I, I agree. And, and the position coaches all deserve uh, credit, too. But let's get back to Lou Getze. I mean, do you think he's under orders? You know, play conservative. And they called, what, just one or zero uh, Justin Fields run plays in the second half. I thought that was not a, a plan to win. I believe the official count was two Justin Fields design runs after after the uh, after the halftime. So, okay. uh, you know, for me, it, it's it's not. I don't think Luke Getzey's been conservative throughout the season. Now, that's why at the, today's juncture and at that point in the game, you know, if if that's why I feel like maybe that came from Eberflus. Maybe he just said, you know what. Let's 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 play conservative here. We've got the field goal. Let's let's get up, you know more than you know more than a field goal here. Make them score a touchdown. I think that's and that's I'm curious to see if that comes out here in a post game because because for the most part he's just let gets you run the offense and he you know you know but of course him being the head coach he has final say. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see. But you know, overall I think Getsy's done a you know solid job in terms of getting this offense built, especially after that 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 week six debacle versus Washington. You rebuilt this whole offense, revamped it around Justin Fields. And I think you know for him to go conservative in that time where you can if you if you score a touchdown, you could pretty much put away the Packers most likely. You know, obviously there's plenty of time left in the game, but I, I think that that right there was just a big turning point there. Once Green Bay, you know, blocked the, the the kick and they and they they got the ball back and scored. I think it was it was downhill from there. Mm. Overall, uh, the rushing attack came up with 155 yards, although 71 of those yards were to Justin Fields. David Montgomery official stats: 14 carries, 61 yards. Darrington Evans three carries, 21 yards, and then there were two, those two uh, running plays by receivers st brown and jones and each of them had just one yard seemed like the trick plays weren't working jet sweeps weren't working but the running attack was working uh but when you call 17 plays to your two running backs your starter and his backup it does seem a little strange to me what do you guys think about the play calling starting with you uh tyler i I mean they, they, what the coaches are gonna say is they had this was their game plan. They had they, they, they scripted out this week. Um, I actually like the burst in Evans. He showed some good burst, especially on those third and longs. That was really cool to see. It sucks that we get we only get to see this stuff when somebody gets hurt. That in Herbert, but um, 
is just what we've seen Justin do over the past couple of weeks is really just like take control of a game. And um, it just seems like I'm I'm kind of torn. I'm torn because it's okay if you're winning. I expected us to win, but when you lose, you like now you're looking at all the things that we could have done differently. But it was like Montgomery in the red zone. I just feel like just give the ball to Montgomery or have Justin. Let's throw a touchdown. Like that's where I'm. That's where I'm at with it. I don't like the. Be, I don't like being cute when we're trying to win a game against a team that we haven't beat in a couple of years. Danny, you're just giving the. Just giving the the ball, you know, to to Justin in, in terms of that that specific you know play calling segment of the of the game, if you want to call it, is is just you know even if if you're gonna use Montgomery, that's fine, use Montgomery, but it just there was no creativity. It was just more so like smash. We're gonna run it up up the gut here and, and trying to trying to get you you know to to allow us to score a touchdown here. But to me, it was like that's now where you have a weapon in the in a backfield and a quarterback where you could utilize his feet, utilize his legs, roll him out and tell him, Hey, you know what? If you don't see anything, throw it away. But I would just, I would give him an opportunity to make a play. And how many times we've seen today, even today when he, when he was injured. And that's another thing we have to keep in mind, you know, maybe because of the injury, maybe he aggravated something in, in that first or second quarter. We don't know about. So I'm just playing devil's advocate here in terms of why they went so conservative, but assuming, assuming he wasn't injured, assuming he was good the way through you have to give him a, a chance to make a play. You know, th- this kid has got the natural instincts when things break down that he can find something to do here with, with the ball in his hands. And the one, the, a couple of things I did like about Justin today, some of the things I, if you guys noticed is instead of tucking and running with the ball, there's a couple of times like he had an opening, but he kind of stopped, still took a step back, make sure he was behind the line of scrimmage and then found Cole Komet uh, on that le- left sideline there for a nice big, you know, first down. So, so that's progress. That's, that's him knowing, Hey, you know what? Keep your eyes down a football field. Go through a progression. Go through the entire football field. Don't just tuck it and run. And I think that might be coming with the fact that he's getting more comfortable with the offensive line, with some of the blocking, and maybe even the offense, right? So I think that's a positive we got to look at. But just saying, just staying right there, the way that he was making plays today in the in the pocket, even when he when he asked him to roll a little bit, he was making plays. He was making good decisions. You know, albeit again, those two interceptions. That last one might have been him holding on to the ball too long. That first one, I think it was all St. Brown didn't come back to the football quick enough. He didn't, he didn't stem his route and come back, and then Alexander just jumped the route. But, you know, he was making good decisions with the football today, and I just – I would have given him a shot just to, again, part of the growing process, right? Here is your young quarterback. Give him a shot and make a play here, and you potentially could put this game, you know, uh, in, in the W column if, if you get a score there, a touchdown. Tyler, do you agree with Chubbs when he says Justin Herbert is really the number one running back on this team and he says David Montgomery has no explosion? That's his problem. He's not fast enough. By the time he gets to the hole, it's either closed or he gets caught from behind after seven yards. What are your thoughts on what Chubbs is saying? I I disagree with the first part that he said, that Herbert is the number one. I agree with the second part um, because I, I have noticed that myself. It actually is very frustrating. It seemed I mean, who, Cedric Benson used to do this. He used to do like a little skip before, before he would take off. I absolutely wish Montgomery would hit the hole with full speed. That is just it is kind of nerve wracking. Herbert, don't people always say that you, you're the number one until you think you're the number one. They thought the same thing about Darnell Mooney when Allen Robinson left, and so it's not, it's not it's not that cute because Herbert can't handle the same kind of load that Montgomery can handle with the hits and all those things like that. So we got to be careful what you ask for. Mm-hmm. But 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 you're not wrong. It is frustrating when Montgomery's kind of like he comes out slow, trying to wait for things to develop, rather than just going. When you can get a quick fourth, four or five yards, 
rather than just like one or two. And so I have noticed that, Chubbs, I'm with you with, with that frustration. But Herbert, the number one, absolutely not, just because it's a change of pace. Because there's the defense is used to Montgomery. Herbert comes in with a flash of speed. But Montgomery used to do the same thing for us when his first year. And so I, I don't know if it's business decisions out though, but I wish the running back coach would tell him, hey, hit the hole. Like, stop stop skipping through. That is frustrating to me, too. For, for me, guys, Herbert just fits this uh, this this uh, this blocking scheme better right now. I mean, his his cutback ability, his vision on to be able to see that cutback lane, to plant his foot and quickly just go up back, that 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 back side lane there is what makes him uh, look look better in his offense right now. But to me, I mean, I'm I'm a big David Montgomery fan. I'm I'm not gonna knock the kid. I mean, that the guy goes out there and gives it his all effort. It's just I just I like the combination of those two. So you know, those two are a little thunder and lightning, if you will. But the uh, but overall, I, I think Herbert is a better fit for this zone blocking scheme than than Montgomery is right now. Yeah, my take on it is that uh, maybe Herbert should get the first. Uh, the starter uh, carries and the, so that way he gets a little bit more action than Montgomery, but you got to respect the play of David Montgomery and how he busts tackles and how he takes tacklers for extra right. yards. You need power backs in pro football. I mean, there's, you know, you don't need them maybe every game. It all depends on how the flow of the game, game situations and so forth. But if you've got a guy like David Montgomery who can get you when the the uh, uh, the line of scrimmage is populated with people? He can create contact and take that those defenders a yard, two yards, three yards, five yards downfield. You need a guy like that. Now, what if he wants ten million dollars this season? I'm not going to pay for that, but uh, he's a valuable player to this team. Plus, don't forget his, his his pass blocking. Mm -hmm. His pass blocking. He, he he's there was a blitz safe of. A free runner at Justin Fields. He stepped up and he, and, he, and he blocked that defender, allowed Justin Fields. I believe it was that play to Cole Komet I referenced earlier. You get that football off. And that, so that's something that was very, very underrated is, is Montgomery's ability as a pass blocker back there as well. Mm -hmm. And then understand, like Montgomery's smash mouth style, that softens the defense. So when a guy like Herbert comes in, those guys are already bruised up and maybe a little bit winded. Herbert comes in with, with fresh legs, ladies and gentlemen. It's a different ball game when you come in the game with fresh legs and they've already been trying to hold back this monster. David Montgomery's bench press a squats like damn near 500 pounds. And so they're dealing with this guy who refuses to go down, then trying to chase this mighty mouse. Herbert getting 25 carries a game, 30 carries a game, it's a different animal. And so, like, be careful what you ask for. Herbert is very efficiently awesome at 10 at 10, at 10 to 17 carries a game. And mm -hmm. that's where he believes it. That's how you keep him healthy, number one. Uh, I, I slightly disagree there uh, with you, Tyler. I, I, I think if given opportunity, I think Herbert could be, you know, 20, 25 uh, carry guy. But he does need someone else to, to help him out in the backfield. He can be just a – you know, uh, week in, week out, you know, the main belt ball carry. I, th I think with a, with a backup well, yeah, or someone that can come no in point. and give him spells, whether it's nine or 10 carries, you know, here and there. I think if you keep Herbert within, you know, 20 to 25, I think he's he's good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do I do like his potential going in the future, though. God, I got to tell you, the top running back in this draft, Danny, is uh, – remind me John of – Robinson from Texas. Yeah, I've seen him available in third rounds of, of he, my he's going He's going in the first round. That's what I think too. Yeah, but what happens because of who will be available in the third round is Roshan Johnson, his teammate. 
Okay. That's a kid that, that that's another guy who's, who's, you know, kind of buried behind a star running back at Texas. And Roshan Johnson is a guy that's going to be uh, a, a pretty damn good back here in, in the NFL coming up. There's a ton of backs guys are the kid from TCU Miller, another tough, strong in between the tackle runner. Uh, you know, he's a guy also has pretty good hands out of the backfield too. So there's going to be tons of guys coming out. Um, if you, if you want to, if you want a little change of pace, a little Darren Sproles, how about Deuce Vaughn from, uh, from, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, um, K-State, you know, th there's tons of backs that are coming out this year that, that again, you know, the draft is always uh, going to give you guys second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, you know, sixth round, whatever right is, the case is, you're always going to find backs in the draft. Yeah. I, and if they do hold on to the second overall pick of the draft, you know, they, they could get a bundle of additional draft picks. And so selecting a running back in the third round would not be out of the question if they have two or three uh, third round picks, which is a, a distinct possibility the way things I are shaping up. I also would like to go, go get a fullback, get a real fullback. I'm finally glad that they, they put blessing game on his, his ass on the bench today because he's been one of the, the most biggest disappointments in terms of as a lead blocker, as, as a guy that, that just doesn't do much for me as a blocker. So thank God they finally put him on a bench and they went with a three receiver look today in terms of starting off here today uh, versus the, um, the Packers. Tyler, you've rushed uh, a lot of quarterbacks in your days of playing football. Uh, we didn't see a lot of rushing the quarterback by the Bears today. It seemed like Aaron Rodgers would order coffee and then sip on the coffee. I'll really get a little out over here and stuff. I mean, uh, the, the Bears pass rush is just non-existent. Uh, that's what I saw. What did you see, Tyler? We saw the same thing. I mean, it was only when we... <laughs> <laughs> Only when we brought a couple um extra blitzes like in the first half that we see we, that we see him actually move and shuffle his feet, um it's really painful to watch. I mean, I I I like I, I watched Travis and um Gibson in college, and he just seemed like if he put on like ten more pounds of muscle, he just seemed like he's like has a real heart to like get to the quarterback, and so it's kind of weird to not see him win one on ones. When he gets his opportunity, but once again, it's different when you're the guy. It's different when the defense doesn't have anybody else to scout for. And so, as much as we think we just because somebody's drafted second round, don't mean they're ready. Doesn't mean they're a generational talent. Sometimes mm -hmm. you got that guy on the upper side who takes who they're actually scheming for, and you're going against their second or third string. And so, I'll, I'm hoping that we just get some awesome talent to just because not even saying a guy that can, does everything that Seattle Seahawks championship defense, every guy had like 20 snaps a game and it was a constant, constant pass rush. And so maybe that's what we're going for. That's what I'm hoping for. But Aldo, we just, that front four, we got to get some type of pressure. We got it. the fact that we were, we were winning this game without pressure was like very, it was very like applaudworthy. And like you guys said, shout out to the um, to the positional staff for getting the most out of their play as much as they can. Cause we, we had them on a ropes, in my opinion. They win by 10. This is a team that was picked to win the division, hands down. Hmm. Hands down, the Packers was to win the division. And we held in there until the fourth quarter, Aldo. And so, once again, I'm, I'm trying to see where we're going to go in the draft. If it's number two too high, if we do trade back, how far is two back without giving up premier talent? What do you think, uh, Daniel, about what just uh, Tyler just said there about trading back and and maybe going going too low in the first round to pick up an impact player because this team needs impact players, you know? 
Yeah, and, he, and that players at all all levels of, of that defense. You know, whether it's a three technique, whether it's a, a, a defensive end. For me, I, I I would I would just wipe clean that that whole defensive line, uh, except for Dominique Robinson. Everyone else is gone. Gibson, uh, Jones, all, all these guys, try hard guys. They're all gone. I replace all of them. I I start off first with free agency. I try to get myself with some defensive tackles, and obviously I attack it in the draft. In terms of trading down, obviously we got to see how the, how everything plays out. We got to see all the combine numbers, the testing, and other thing. How all star games and see how who's rising up the draft boards. But one thing I will guarantee you, knowing this league, you know, there's going to be a quarterback or two that's going to jump up into the top 10 that none of us had, had expected or, or actually foresaw coming. So I think that's going to drive a lot of the, the bargaining chip there for, for Ryan Poles and company and say, all right, you know, Seattle, you want your quarterback the future. Detroit, do you want your quarterback the future? New Orleans, you want your quarterback the future? What are you going to give me? So that's where I see I, I would not drop out of the top 10. Uh, if I'm if I'm the Bears, uh, if you drop out of the f- top five, you're not going to get Jalen Carter. You're not going to get Will Anderson is most likely. Uh, but but if you drop out of the, the top five, you're in the top ten. You're probably going to look at yourself at, at an offensive lineman. Uh, may, may, I, don't, I don't even see a receiver right, right now. Again, it's early on. I don't, even, I don't see a receiver worthy of a top ten right now either. So you're you're really going to be looking at, at probably if you're looking at at uh, a position, maybe maybe a linebacker. We'll, we'll see how it all breaks down. But maybe another maybe another corner. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all breaks down. Obviously, but uh, I I would not drop too far out. I mean, I wouldn't drop down out of now. If you get a, a offer that you just cannot resist, right? Three, four first round picks, two second round picks, so on and so forth with some veteran players. Obviously, you gotta do what's best for your organization. At that point, you just kind of drop down and see what's available, to, you know, to wherever you drop down. But um, if you want that premier talent, whether it's Jalen Carter at, at three technique or, you know, possibly a Will Anderson at, at, at edge, you know, you're gonna have to kind of stay within that top five range. Yep, that is for sure. Dana, I like what you said. I'm hoping we stay within the top five, but definitely not lower than the top ten. Mm-hmm. Again, it depends on uh, depends on what happens, right? Who's going to be jumping up? You know, guys like Bryce Young, uh, C.J. Stroud. Even though I'm not too high on the, both those guys in terms of NFL talent, you know, Will Levis, the, the, the kid from from Kentucky. God knows who else is going to be jumping up there in terms of the, the quarterback. You know, the quarterback thing. You know, at one point we thought, you know, the kid Hooker from uh, Hendon Hooker from uh, Tennessee. You know, not not top ten, but he was he was crawling up that first round. You know, first round area. But he's out unfortunately with with the torn ACL. So you know that'll drop him. But you know. Players just tend to just kind of work their way up, uh, you know, through the all-star games, through the, through the combine stuff, and guys that you didn't see going in top 10, go top 10, and what happens if other guys drop down. You know, no one thought Justin Fields would be available at number 11. I already thought he was going to go top five for sure, and look what happened. He ended up dropping down to the Bears at number 11. So things like that always happen. So we'll see how it all plays out. But for me right now, as of today, you know, uh, December 4th, I'm, I'm, if I want one of those two defensive guys, you know, the, the, the guys that make a difference, I'm not dropping out of the top five. 409 total yards of offense for the Chicago Bears, 357 for the Green Bay Packers. But the key uh, part of this game is probably two stats, three turnovers for the Chicago Bears, zero for the Green Bay Packers. And then the time of possession was also important because it really seemed that the play calling by uh, Matt LaFleur was in part designed for ball control. The Packers had the ball for 32 minutes and 28 seconds. The Bears, 27 minutes and 32 seconds. It seemed to me, Tyler, that the that the Packers just wanted to hold the ball and keep Justin Fields off the field so that he wouldn't do his magic like he did. Yeah, that's that's and they're right doing so because as you can see, Justin could change the game, and so it's it's really really cool to see his development and like him just getting used to the game, Aldo, because he is an impact player. He can. He can, like, I mean, 
he's going to crush Lamar's record. He's going to crush Lamar's record. Like, and hopefully, we um prayers to Lamar Jackson. You guys know he left the game early today, hurt his knee no, in that I first quarter. That. But, oh wow! And so we don't know who's gonna come for that. And so, but Justin has a a chance to really break some records held by Vic and um Lamar this year. But um at the same time, Justin has become a, a just a good weapon. I know we got the coaches coming up to speak to us soon, so I want to hear what like what where what, what head coach has to say about just development, Aldo. But um the Packers very much knew that's why you saw AJ Dillon get in. He was just bruising. You know, and Justin's been ripping that pass pretty, you know, a couple Sorry. times earlier, and that's a trust throw. You know, when you Sorry, have a trust Tyler. throw, that means he's he's reading it and maybe he's gonna let it rip. And you know, the guy's gotta do a great job of stepping up, you know, making those plays. plays. And uh, I, thought I thought the, the corner made a nice play. He jumped, he jumped it. But uh, hopefully our receiver, you know, can help out and, you know, knock that down if possible. As much time as you can, kick the field goal and go up too. You know, so um, – or score a touchdown, you know. But uh, we were right there uh, to get that done, and we'll get that done in the future. Going back to that trust throw, you said it was not a good throw, but you're, you're glad he, I guess, put it in there. Is it the placement that you didn't like or just the outcome? Yeah, just the outcome. Just the outcome of it. Yeah, I mean, go back and look at it. I just know what kind of what kind of concept it was, you know. Um, obviously, you like him to be able to break it up if he could, but uh, step, you know, come back to the ball, etc. I have to go back and look at it. So, yeah, just uh, I think it's great that we're in the opportunity, you know, to be able to do that, you know, and uh, we did, made a lot, you know, a couple of nice plays to get down there. And we just got to do a better job finishing. You know, it really comes down to execution. I thought the play calling was good. I thought everything was really good. The operation was good. We were on the ball. I thought the tempo of it was nice. The rhythm of it was was better than it's been. Um, so I, I thought the operation was was a good part. What happened with Claypool on uh, a play where he came out because he was hurt? It looked like his knee twisted really badly, but he was able to stay in and play through it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm. They said it was just he hurt his leg. You know, for that point, you know, we didn't uh, – he didn't come out. He came back in, so we squared away on that. When you guys went to Leatherwood, was that because of injuries or because of performance? No, Leatherwood is rotation. Yeah, we're going to rotate him in there. So we want to get him some work in there. He had a great week of practice. You know, Riley was out earlier in the week, um, you know, you know, getting back. And Leatherwood did a very nice job in there. With Cairo, with Cairo what is your – this is the extra point. He sounded frustrated about both misses, but the extra point – yeah, I talked to him just to give him support. I was just, I was just giving him support. I haven't seen the tape. I don't know exactly what happened there, but I was just being supportive of him um, going forward from there. Yeah, just to, just to force their hand, you know, right there, you force their hand. They got it's fourth and four. I think it was, is that right? Um, you know, so just trying to force their hand and, and make them make a decision. You know, and it gives us another opportunity for our defense to get set up and what we want to call. And, and then you get the long return uh, right after that. When you have 36, 37. Yeah, I was right in there. Were you tempted to, to take a shot or because you were out of timeouts? Was it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's really right there with time, no timeouts. There's not much you can do there, but we just took a knee and took it to half. Give a sense of what happened on the final touchdown Watson getting, getting free there that, that allowed him. That yeah, it was a, that was a jet, you know, the jet sweep, they handed off to him. I'll have to look at the tape on that one. Um, not sure exactly what the breakdown was. I heard, heard some chatter on the on the horn there, but uh, we'll see what it is. 
Man, it is the, the losses pile up and this team continues on this, this losing streak. What's your message to these guys in terms of trying to keep them mentally and emotionally in the right spot? Yeah, it's the message that's going to be if we win, win, lose, or draw every single week. I'm going to tell them the same thing, just like I want to say to you right now. It's get back to work tomorrow. I know we got the bye week. Uh, we're going to uh, coaches are going to get to you with three things you can get better at, and you're going to look at that during the course of the bye week and come back and then get better. And we'll have our eyes forward moving to uh, Philadelphia. How do, you, how do you think you guys played Rogers uh, throughout the game? And, and there at the end, uh, what was he able to do that he wasn't able to do earlier? Um, you know, I thought our game plan was good um, for the defensive coaches. I thought they did a nice job putting it together. Um, you know, we looked at, you know, doing some different things, you know, up front. And I thought that really worked well in the run game. You know, um, obviously, when you give up 48 yards at the end and on a run, on a jet sweep, that doesn't help your stats. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say they did a, a good job. we got to finish better. Were you surprised that they went for two at the end? Uh, no. No. We were ready for them either way. I'm gonna have to look at the tape, you know, on it, you know, um, just for me to get a more, more accurate view of it. Say again. Um. Yeah, I'll have to talk to Nick and see what he's talking about there, but uh, yeah. All right. And Tyler, I know you've got to uh, take off, so I'd love for you to comment on anything that Iberflu said there that piqued your interest or uh, any final words, brother. I, I feel I just <laughs> – he's so calm, Aldo. He's so calm, and I just feel like it's because the coaches have been given a blank check this year. Like, a coach sounds different when his job is on the line, you know? <laughs> he's just like, we're losing. It's We're going to get better. I'm like, how? Like, tell me <laughs> what's going gonna happen yeah. and so um i trust the coach though man i know he's his first year in the colts as the defense coordinator his year one to year two the defensive like improved by like 15 20 spots from year one to year two and so i am truly looking forward to next season when the wins and losses matter as a coach or a football team because i think all of our coaching staff should probably be back they'll probably look at some upgrades mm-hmm. but um when it's all for real, when the, when your clock starts in your contract, because Ryan Poles, um, we talk about Matt Eberflus attached to the hip, going together, um, new product, new. And so the cool thing about it is we got the quarterback position fixed. That's awesome. That hasn't been done in Chicago for a very, very long time. And so, um, but what I took away from it, cool, Claypool's not hurt. I was worried that it was a knee. We traded, we traded around a second round pick for that guy. So that's not what we want. We want our, we want to make sure our assets are available. Um, that being said, everything else sounds about right. Coach is going to give you stuff to work on. A, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of pleasant talk for a coach that's not worried. A coach that he sounds like a coach who has a whole off season to right the ship. I know he doesn't like to lose, so Aldo, I'm truly looking forward to him coaching this team up during the course of the off season. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, you nailed it. I mean, that's a guy who is confident that I don't, you know, I don't care what the record is at the end of the year. I mean, for personal reasons, he does, but he knows he's got a job next season with the Chicago Bears. His job is not on the line. This is all kind of pre-planned. They were told, hey, you play the young players and don't worry what your record is, you know, by the second year. 
uh, will have the, the, the guys you need, a lot more of the guys you need in order to win football games. Uh, Tyler, if uh, if you got to go, uh, then we'll uh, say goodbye to you. We'll see you next week, okay? Yeah, I'll do. Um, wish me luck. Guys, take care. I'm actually I have to go to the gym. I have my first powerlifting competition happening um, this coming up weekend. So I'll be in Virginia Beach by my first Navy command. And I'm going for some personal records. So I'm really excited about it. It's been it's been like six months worth of training and programming happening, taking place. I got to go do this steam routine at the gym to make sure I make weight for weigh-in. But um, a Bears win because we're still in a good draft position. Um, Aldo, Danny, appreciate you guys. Everybody at the Barroom Network, everybody in the chat, have a great, amazing week, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, brother. Good luck with the, uh, with the weightlifting. Thank stay, you. Stay safe. <laughs> Danny, when's the last time you hit the gym, brother? Yesterday. Look at you. I went a couple years ago. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anything uh, Matt Eberflew said there that caught your ear? Unfortunately, I, I my my audio cut off. I did he? Did anyone question him about that that possession we were talking about? Them going conservative was that was that his call? Was it? Jeez, oh, that that's what I really wanted to, to know. But uh, mm -hmm. so that that was my my big thing. But uh, in terms of in terms of what I mean, he kind of said what I said earlier, right? In terms of uh, St. Brown not not running that route correctly. That was a hitch route coming back. He, he should have come back to the football at the worst case. He should have knocked that ball out um, and gotten the ball out of you know uh, harm's way before Aldana could could have. Um, you know, picked it up. But in all fairness, I made a great play. You know, he jumped that route, got in front of uh, of St. Brown. But my, my thing with St. Brown is come to the football quickly, get out of your, you know, stem your route, get out of your route, route quicker and come back to the football. You know, you know what the route count up is. Just, you know, you know, get be faster, quicker out, out of your out of top of your route. So that that's the thing right there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, my thing was I was looking to see what he was going to say about that conservative approach there. Uh, that when we touched down here in, in the opening of the show, because I think that, like I said earlier, was the turning momentum here in, in this game where, you know, they, they, they went conservative, got one for the field goal, got blocked. The next thing you know, Packers drove down and, and took the lead. So, you know, I, you know they're going to go into the bye week here. You know, for me, it's it, the one thing I, I did like is I think Justin had had the most yards in terms of throwing today in, in his career. So, again, another step forward. Again, the interceptions we we, we discussed at, at nauseum here. Um, you know, uh, came back and, and made another another huge run play. Um, you know, maybe the, he was a little bit more injured than we thought, but but if if that's the case, you know, why third and short? You you do a quarterback sneak, right? So the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because well, here comes Justin now. Justin is at the podium. Uh, let's go to him right now. I'm sorry, so far good. Overall, physically, how are you feeling right now? Feel all right. Um, you know, shoulder held up pretty good. On Demos touchdown, I had to, like, push Kenny Clark down. So that's the only play that I got aggravated on and then kind of messed up my hand, like, second quarter. Uh, I think it was before halftime, or it was either second quarter or early third quarter. But, um, yeah, I'm good, though. Did you get a painkiller shot before the game, or did you just Nah, play I just played it, yeah. On that touchdown, well, what did you see as they kind of tried to hand you inside and then you made your cut? Um, yeah, I mean, that DN just crashed crazy. They brought nickel pressure on that. So, I mean, it was just me and the nickel. And then, I mean, by that time, you know, guys did a great job downfield blocking. And, um, you know, we, we scored a touchdown. So, yeah. So, you thought you were moving slow. What do you mean by that? I just felt like I was moving slower than my top speed. But, I don't know. I got to check the uh, GPS on that and see how fast I was moving. So, we'll see. They said you were over 20 miles an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I like to hit, like, 21, 21.5, something like that. So, I got to do some extra sprints or something. Yeah, um, just a dig route. Uh, I think 23 made a great play on that play. Um, you know, 
EQ was underneath him. But, I mean, at that point, once you throw that ball, uh, you anticipate the throw, and then, boom, he jumped it. And then, really, at that point, you just like to see the receiver, you know, come back to the ball. Um, you know, we always just try to tell the receivers that, you know, those DBs are going to, you know, they, they want that pick each and every time. So, they're going to attack that ball. So, yeah, that, that's just a, uh, you know, timing throw, uh, anticipated throw. And uh, I think 23 just made a good play on that. Just what would winning a game late do for this young group? We realize, you know, kind of the last one, we've got a bunch of young guys. Mm-hmm. Some of the best players are hurt for training. For sure. Uh, what would learning how to win accomplish at this level for a lot of the under It would be fun. Um, you know, we haven't had that feeling in a minute. So, um, you know, just winning a game would be awesome just to seeing uh, the guys' faces just, and just the feeling of winning. Um, it's it's none, none like it. So, yeah. Part of the developmental process, though, to, to figure that out? Uh, yeah, I mean, the wind's going to start coming. Uh, you know, I thought as an offense, we got better today. So um, I just can't wait till they start coming. They're going to start rolling in here soon. So just got to keep working, keep getting better. I think the O-line did a great job uh, protecting. I think the run game was was solid. And I think the passing game, you know, really took a big step today. So, um, you know, I just felt comfortable out there, uh, you know, going to progression stuff and stuff like that. Uh, and, I, again, like I said, the, the O-line did a great job and, you know, pass pro. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just a, I think it was third and long on that play, and of course, we had a good amount of time, you know, thanks to the whole line, and um, you know, just stepped up going through my reads, and kind of just saw him late on the sidelines, just chilling over there by himself. So, got that ball out, and you know, we were able to to uh, convert the third down. So. The one in the key, what did you see on that? That was obviously a scramble drill play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I was trying to throw a hit to him. 23 again, he was sitting uh, sitting on it, trying to jump it. But um, so I moved on to the second read, and he kind of got jammed up. And then I felt pressure from my left, so I spent out. So I'm the kill running, beating him. And at that point, I already knew it was a catch because, I mean, he's he's probably the, one of the best jump ball guys that we have on our team. So um, at that point, I threw it up. And, of course, he made a hell of a catch. And, you know, it was a, it was a great play. Do you feel like this is your most complete game to date? Because obviously you're running for a touchdown, you're throwing a 50-50 ball, a tight window throw, like putting it all together. Was this your most complete game? I think so. I think this was my uh, one of my best games passing-wise. I mean, of course, the stats are going to show that, but I felt really comfortable out there, you know, in the passing game and, you know, just kind of keep improving and keep getting better. Game, you uh, split after a nine-yard gain instead of, like, usually you're fighting for extra yards. Was that a concerted effort to get down protect yourself? Yeah, I'm not about to do that. My shoulder, no, sir. Not about to do that today, but um, and I thought I had the first down, but you know, the quarterback rules, I guess, where you start the slide or whatever, so yeah. But um, if I think I can score, you know, I'm gonna like on that touchdown run, then I'm gonna, you know, take a chance on that, but you know, I didn't, I didn't think I had a chance to score on that, so yeah. Justin, after the throw to the kill, you guys had three runs. How frustrating was it to not be able to parlay that into another big play to, to get six? I mean, yeah, we just got to execute better as an offense. Um, you know, we trust the O-line to call that, you know, run on third down. So uh, we just got to execute it. I don't think the running back did the completely right track. Of course, he hit the right hole, but I think he just has to hit that harder. And, you know, as an offense, we just have to execute better. In terms of spike bodies feeling, would you have played today regardless of opponents? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, especially with the bye week, you know, next week. Yeah, for sure. Look up, just what about another Packers loss? Like, how does that drive you? You know, you've been in rivalry games before, you know what it means. So how does it drive you? I mean, every game drives me. Uh, you know, of course, this one means more. But, I mean, I want to win every game. Like, it's that simple.
just on myself, we've talked about this before practice on Wednesday, yet three days there. What did you do in those three days to get yourself over the hump, keep yourself clear, keep yourself ready, and you might do what you were ready to roll? I knew I was playing on Wednesday, so yeah. It wasn't a build up. I just knew I was already playing on Wednesday. So, yeah. Did you have to test out like pre game? Were you wearing any sort of apparatus? Like it looked like there was maybe like a pad or a shield. That... Yeah, I just put it on a shirt and just put on an extra little pad to cover my shoulder, um, just to protect it, to, to see if I had any hits on it. So it was just just extra padding on there. So was that you wore that during the game? Yeah. Not during warm up. So just during the game. Justin, did you find yourself panning uh, off more often than you might keep it? With... Yeah. So teams are starting to mess charge. Um, and of course, they they don't want me keeping the ball on the uh, you know we read the DNs on read options. So I mean, if they're not going to do that, we're, we're just I'm going to take one guy uh, out of the box and you know let our running back eat. But um yeah, but they're for sure mess charging or you know having an extra guy over there for me. When you, when you say this was when you say this was the most comfortable you felt passing, what specifically felt right to you? I just you know I don't know. I just felt comfortable. I don't know what it was. I just you know, felt comfortable. I gotta tell you, uh, Danny, that um, Justin Fields to me seemed like a guy that really uh, learned a little bit from um, what's his name, <laughs> the guy. Yes. Don't you don't you get that impression that he saw how Simeon would hold on to the ball a little bit more, stay in the pocket, and we saw a number of plays where Fields was very patient in the pocket, and then throwing the ball up for the big wide receivers EQ and Harry. That's something that we had not seen as much as we'd He's like. Four wins, damn it, not and, three. The Duke. <laughs> Wait a minute, who the hell was that? <laughs> Anyway, uh, it just seemed like he was, you know, the couple of things that Simeon did last week, he he replicated it, but even better. Well, one of the things that I've been harping on here, although maybe he's listening to, he's watching this post game show on his way home. He's listening to the podcast, <laughs> you know, the because uh, I say if, if you got one on one coverage, whether it's Darnell Mooney and Kill Harry, even you know, you know, even Chase Claypool, you got one on one coverage, throw the ball up there, let those guys go up and make a play. And I think that's a key point he just pointed out there in that press conference and said it. And Kill Harry's one of the better you know, jump ball, 50-50, you know, kind of receivers on the team. So if that's the case, just give him a shot, let him go up and make a play. Like today he went up there, he made a play. So I think, you know, that's something that he progressed at there as well. And what we talked about last week, although in terms of what Simeon was doing that first half versus the Jets was anticipatory throws, you know, you know, throwing to a spot, uh, throwing guys open, at least in that first half, and he was doing it. And that's what maybe he picked up with Simeon because right now he talked about that interception to St. Brown. That was an anticipation throw. That was where he anticipated where, where St. Brown was going to be post, you know, stemming his route, coming back to the football, and he threw it to a spot, and St. Brown just unfortunately wasn't there in time. And then, like I said, Alexander made a great play with the interception. So, you know, that's things he needs to do to develop to get to the next stage because in the NFL, you can't just wait there and see a guy open and throw it to him, right? You got to anticipate guys open. You, you got to know defensive coverages, know, know the tendency of the defense, know the offensive play call, and then you and the receiver have to be on the same page there. And that's why it's so key when they say chemistry, building chemistry with your receiving core, because now you guys can see things the same way, the same pattern, same level that you guys see a, de a defender playing inside leverage, now you know if, if you're a slot receiver, you, you have you might have an opportunity at a at a corner route. You and your corner you and your receiver have to be on the same leverage. And what you do is you throw the ball, throw it to a spot, and let your receiver you know get there. And I think that's what 
he learned, you know, if you learn anything from Trevor Simeon, is, is just be anticipatory, be be ready to throw the ball to a spot and trust your guys. You know, today we saw he, he, he trusted uh, and kill Harry to make a play. He made a play. He trusted St. Brown to make a play. Unfortunately, he didn't make a play for him. So, you know, these are part of the process that he's going to learn. Eventually, once the talent gets better around him, he's going to get, you know, more and more comfortable with trusting guys, you know. Aaron Rodgers was notorious for just throwing the football one step, two step, bam, ball is gone. You know, Devontae Adams is still, you know, lockstep with the, with the corner in his hip pocket, but he throws it to a spot and anticipates where Devontae is going to be on, in his route, uh, route progression, throws it to a back shoulder, bam, Devontae turns around, Adams turns around, ball is in his hands, you know, defender is right there in coverage, but he can't make a play. So you know, that type of chemistry eventually is going to is gonna go ahead and, and develop between whether it's Mooney, I, th- I think it's already developed with with Komet. I mean, you saw that that third down play where he kind of tucked the ball, was going to run, tucked it, stepped back behind the line of scrimmage, make sure he's behind the line of scrimmage, and found Komet and threw it. I think him and Komet are building the chemistry. I think him and Mooney were building the chemistry. Hopefully, it continues with Claypool. And I and you know, and Keel Harry hasn't made a, a big impact, but I think he's a guy I would like to see go back next year and just give him the opportunity to see what he could do. When you give him this, when you give Justin Fields another offseason with him, when you give him hopefully a better uh, blocking offensive line where he can just drop back, sit back in the pocket, and be able to you know go through a progression, and maybe get him some opportunities on the field. So again, he's not an explosive guy in terms of guys going to you know run a four three run by corners or or a guy that's going to you know create huge separation. But Nikhil Harry is a guy, a big body guy, who Justin Fields just said is probably one of the better jump ball. 50-50 receivers on, on his team. So, you know, we'll see how this develops. But this, again, I agree with Fields in terms of today the offense took a progression because I think he did look more comfortable. I touched on it a little bit earlier in, the, in this in this in the show here. He looked more comfortable in the offense. He put up the highest in terms of his yardage so far to date. Uh, I think 255, 254 yards is what he threw for today. Um, and, and that continues to happen, to, continues to progress. I think once they rectify the issues on defense, once they get, like I said, some more weapons on offense, I think this is what you're going to see the offense is kind of gradually take off you know probably going into next season the other thing that really struck me about justin field's press conference is how he came off he wasn't sad like he usually is after a game he felt it was he was exuding confidence he was exuding something like a a pleasure you know because he had by his own admission his his best passing game didn't didn't get the results didn't get the touchdown passes like we want but you know 250 plus yards of passing was was in a a big accomplishment for him and he kind of showed that off in the press conference am i reading too much into that or do you think like i do that this was a confidence building effort by uh justin fields today I think I think we've seen, uh, and maybe you guys agree with me or don't agree, but I think once that Washington, once he started putting up points offensively, I think he he kind of felt like you know what we're getting there, you know we're helping, we're doing our our share of, of the load here. Because remember that first first six weeks, the defense was, was pretty good in terms of points allowed. I think they were top five in terms of one of the, the best defense in terms of not allowing points scored. But yep. the offense wasn't doing anything. The offense wasn't putting up any points. And I think he took that burden upon himself saying, you know what, as a leader of the offense, I'm not doing my job and my unit isn't doing their job to help support our defense. But I think now it's kind of flipped. Now with the trades, with some of the injuries, you know, I, I think you know they're putting up or close to you know 30 points a game. 
Obviously, today they only put up, you know, 19, but they're putting up up to this point 30 points a game with Justin Fields back there. And I think he felt like, you're right, we're doing our part now. I understand what's going on on defense. I know, you know, we traded two of our best players. I know we we have got injuries galore in the secondary. You know, we're just going to have to get get used to this and just, just, you know, grind it up. But I think now he's getting comfortable with the offense. I know now he thinks – uh, I, I think I know that he thinks that he can do his part and the office can do their part to help this team win. It's just a matter of now getting a collective effort, special teams, defense, and so on and so forth. So I think some of that burden's off his shoulders. I think now he's just kind of kind of waiting for everything to kind of come together here. That's how I read it. Danny, I, I got like a billion questions for you, so I'm glad we've got a, a bare truth coming up soon so that we could talk more in depth on this. We'll, we'll go another 15, 20 minutes here. But I, one, one of the many questions that I have is uh, – Cairo Santos today on that missed uh, yeah. field goal, big important miss late in the game. Boy, it seemed to me like he almost hesitated in his streak, that he approached the ball without the normal oomph, you know, without the aggression or however you want to call it. Did, that, did it seem that way to you or was I seeing things? Well, initially, when, once he came back from his injury, I was like, you know, he missed an extra point here and there and, and maybe a field goal. And I'm like, all right, let's not worry too much about Carson. But now I'm, I'm a little, I'm not, I'm not concerned, but I am a little bit. He missed the extra point today. He missed that, you know, got that field goal blocked. Um, the one thing though, the winds were, were gusting today. We, we saw the flag pole. The flag was wrapped around the pole. I, I think it was, if you were looking at the TV from the, it was going from, from right to left. So, you know, and that extra point, it kind of, it kind of looked like it was just, the mechanics weren't there. It was a low snap. So I, I don't want to give him excuses, but at, at this point, it is a bit of a concern, right? I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I'm not saying go go bring in the uh, the carousel of kickers that we had here a couple of years ago in the Matt Nagy. I'm just saying keep an eye on Cairo Santos. You know, we again he, he's coming back from from an, from a, an issue. Was that a I forgot? Was that a personal issue or was that an injury he missed that one week? I I, I forgot. I, don't know if I you think remember it was also. a personal issue okay. uh, that he he missed. Since that he came one. back from that, he hasn't been the automatic Cairo Santos that we've been accustomed to, right? So that's something that to just keep an eye on. Let's see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, that, that is at some point, as if he continues missing extra points and, and field goals, that will be a concern that you have to probably maybe hopefully, you know, address in the offseason. But again, I don't want to go that far. But yeah, it is something that it's no longer automatic with Carlos Santos now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they found a uh, pretty good uh, punter in uh, what was he was undrafted or was Seven. he seventh round? Yeah, found a good one there. So hopefully they can find somebody to bring into camp to who at the very least can compete against. Kyle right, I, I'm not throwing Carson's off the boat just yet. I'm you know I'm, I I want him to just kind of you know bring maybe bring in competition and 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 let him kind of sweat it out next next camp. Mm, indeed. Um, as you look at this team uh, right now. Um, I, one of the things that I, I, I want to talk in depth about this over the coming weeks is in terms of position value right now, I see the, the, the um, uh, three tech defensive line position as being a little bit more important than an edge pass rusher. And we need both. Let, let me underline that. We definitely need bo- both. But right now, I think for this defense to really work the way it's designed to work, don't we need a three-tech as a higher priority? Yes. I, I'm 100% lock, lockstep with you because of the fact, we've said before, even if you have two great outside pass rushers, and we've seen it with multiple defenses, right? They have some good speed guys on the front. But interior, if, if the, the edge is coming out, the quarterback's going to step up into the pocket if there's nothing there in front of him in terms of pressure. Where it struggles, where the great struggle, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, when you get pressure in their face, and that happens at the defensive tackle position. Now, once you have a complete 
uh, uh, you know, ass-kicking defensive line is when you have a, a, a defensive tackle that j- collapses the pocket and then you have the edge guys coming from the outside. That's where you kind of stem that quarterback in the pocket and they're screwed, right? So that's why for me, and especially for this defense, this 4-3 defense, you know, going back to the days of, of Lovey Smith in terms of Tommy Harris, when they got Tommy Harris, that's when this defense started going forward. And then they ended up getting Adwala Goulier and Julius Peppers eventually. So that, that's what, but that all that that three technique, being able to collapse that pocket, getting pressure up front in the middle in the face of the quarterback is what's key. So, you know, I think once they get that straightened out, whether it's free agency or the draft, then you can go and get some of the, some of the outside guys. And again, with edge rushers, I'm not saying they grow from trees. I'm not saying go get a great pass rusher here and there. But what you could do is you could get a guy, you know, a college guy that that's not fully developed. You know, a Dominic Dominic Robinson, for example, and you just make him a situational pass rusher. You bring him in, or or like one of these outside linebackers that that generally are not built to put their hand in the ground, be a four or three defensive end but have that great first step, have that bend around the corner, around the edge, and can create some pressure uh, uh, at the quarterback, you can bring those guys in, and those guys can be your third down pass rush specials. They could be your, you know, passing down, you know, edge, edge guys as well. So, you know, there's, there's different ways you can kind of generate pressure off the edge. Uh, obviously, you want to ask kicking defensive, and you want a Nick Bosa. You want a Joey Bosa coming off and, and rushing, or a Khalil Mack in, in his prime. You want those kind of guys. But if you're going to go get a guy right now, my priority, like you said, Aldo, is an interior guy, you know, a, a guy in the middle that can just collapse that pocket initially, get into gaps quickly, you know, create havoc in the backfield. And now you bring guys from the outside. And next thing you know, you, you got you have a, a defensive line that's continue bringing pressure on the quarterback. Um, discussion in the chat room about what's harder to find a three-tack defensive tackle who, who, you know, and I say a three-tech defensive tackle or an outside pass rusher, I say that for this type of defense, the three-tech is harder to find because it takes a much more athletic defensive tackle than your normal defensive yes. tackles in football. You're 100% accurate, 100% accurate because you need you need you don't need just you don't need a big guy, a 300 pound guy that that's had, you know, eight sacks in college. You need a guy that's got quick twitch fibers, guy that can quickly beat whether it's hands, it's, it's quickness, it's, it's shiftiness, it's athletic ability, it's it's a powerful lower half, but guy that can get into the gaps, get past the guards in the center and create havoc. And this is where the three technique in, in this defense is is got to be a quick twitch guy. Not just any guy that can play defensive tackle. It's got to be a quick twitch guy. And again, that's the thing is you got to find. You know, Jalen Carter is the guy out of Georgia, is is the heads down, hands down, I should say, you know, top defensive tackle coming out. But, you know, but there's there's games, you know, in terms of how they utilize him at Georgia that doesn't really translate well to here at, at the Bears. I mean, at Georgia, they play a lot of, you know, two gap where they kind of have him just take on blockers and play two gaps and, and not really generate that, up, you know, pass rush up front. I think once you're going to have to take a look at him, you have to say, all right, how does he project in the middle? Now, I think he's got the athletic ability. He's got the size. He's got the, the genetics, if you will, to be able to play that three technique that that's shaded over the, the guard, you know, uh, defensive line position. So I think he'll fit nicely in this, in this defense as well. I mean, they all, they all come in the same shape and size. Look, look at what they did with, with uh, Buckner over in the Colts. You know, Ibrahim was the defensive corner there. You know, he's a, he's a more of a taller, angular, you know, more powerful defensive, uh, defensive tackle, but he's also got the athletic ability the twitchness, if you will, be able to get into the gap, press your offensive guard or center back into the back into the backfield, or use a swim move or you know a quick rip move to get back in there and, and generate pressure on the quarterback. You know, those are the kind of guys you want to get. And, and you know, if you look at Buckner at, at, at with the Colts, with the Colts, yeah, on, on the Eberflus, 
you know, you look at some of the guys that are playing for, for Dallas right now, you know, similar type of guys, guys that quickly can get into the backfield, especially generate pressure up the middle. And I think if, if we're going right now, if this just goes from end of the season to the draft, obviously we have free agency, but if, if you go from end of the season to the draft, I think Jalen Carr would be my guy right now ahead of Will Anderson. Um, somebody had a comment here. Oh, I forgot to save it. I thought I did. But uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, let, let me see what J2K has to say. He says that I'm over uh, – you're simplifying it, Aldo. Look at Kaleja Kansi, Zach Pickens, and, and Thule at USC. Those guys can't play in a 3-4. They will all wait for a 4-3 defenses that uses a 3-tech. What do you think about what J2K is saying there? Right. So there's guys that are that are not being utilized in the proper positions, right? So certain college coaches have these players, whether they're big, they're athletic, they're strong, and they and they play their defensive front. They have their they have their formula. Where and which you know, we've seen it with, with a number of guys that, that are being misused uh, in college and come to the pros and have better pro careers and they had college careers. It's just what their body type, what they're what, what they are designed to do and what they're asked to do. So I think if you bring any one of those guys that if they, as long as they have the, the athletic ability, the quick twitchness be able to you know quickly get off the snap like i said penetrate into the gaps get into the backfield quickly and generate uh you know i'm not only a pass rush against the quarterback but also have the the awareness to be able to locate the football quickly and and identify whether the, the ball carrier has the the football or if it's a quarterback if it's an rpo play who's got the ball so that a lot of that's instincts and quick eyes and be able to find the ball there's a lot that goes into making a a, a quality defensive lineman so i think that's something that that we have to kind of as we go through the draft process things we'll, we'll break down here for you guys here and draft on tap and identify guys specifically made to play in this this defensive front uh, it, it, this is kind of a weird question. Um, what do you prefer in a three tech? Would you prefer finding someone who has NFL experience? So via free agency going after a Deron Payne, or would you prefer drafting one a la a Jalen Carter or perhaps one of the uh, second round uh, type uh, th uh, three techs uh, available? For me, well, I, I mean, right now guys like, you know, Deron Payne and even uh, Javon Hargrove from, from Philadelphia are guys that are NFL ready, guys that we've seen them play on Sundays, make plays. So obviously those are the preferred guys you want. But also you have to have to think you have to build a team here. You can't just unload your salary cap money on one one side of the football. I mean, we've seen it with the Lovey Smith days where the money was all on defense. You saw it to, to an extent here with with Nagy, Nagy years where initially it was, it was a lot on offense and they kind of just tried to offset some on defense in terms of the, the cap dollars. So, you know, you ideally, obviously me, I would I go, I want to go get one in, in free agency. I want to go get one in draft as well. Now, if you get one in free agency, you get a Duran Payne, you get a Hargrave, that makes, you know, getting a, uh, a Jalen Carter that less important because you at least have a vet, NFL veteran that's got ready to go for you day one uh, and then you can always supplement him with some guy in the second or third round of the draft uh, but you know for me like I, I prefer the, the the veteran that they can come in and know but if you can't devote that much dollars because you got to build a whole team and remember this this team has got holes at every single every, every single place maybe except for quarterback uh, that, that you would look for to add you know some some new players in right so you know you, you got to kind of balance that and that's what makes it being a gym so difficult in the league is is you know you know preferably for me though to answer your question although i want to get one in free agency i want to get one in the draft as well yeah i you know i always 
feel like, man, we, we brag too much about all the salary cap dollars that we have, but you also got to remember, we've only got like 25 guys signed for 2023. We're going to build, we're going to pay for enough for 90 guys. Now I know the salary cap only uh, has the 53 highest salaries, but that's still a lot of guys, 32 guys that you got, or 30 some guys that you got to uh, sign. And so that's going to only leave money. And I'm guessing here, haven't done the, the, the math here, but, maybe two, maybe three, 15 million plus type uh, uh, signings. And so perhaps you're going to uh, target a Conklin or a McGlinchke at right tackle for 15 to plus million dollars a year. Perhaps Deron Payne, Mar uh, Spotrack says that his salary estimated market value is close to $20 million. And so between those two guys, you got $35 million a year invested. So a lot of that cap, those cap dollars start getting eating up uh, pretty quickly. Right. And then, like I said, we, we have to have a complete roster to fill here. So, so, you know, not only are you going to have to be smart with your dollars in terms of attacking strategically attacking positions that you feel like you're better off getting a free agency, securing it with a veteran as opposed to going into the draft and, and maybe, you know, getting at the point of where you're going to be selecting, you know, if not in the first round, say, say in the second round, you know, do I get the fifth or fourth best right tackle? Or do I get pay a little bit extra money and get this veteran to come in here? So, you know, a couple of the guys you named there, McGlinchey and Conklin are guys that you know, are somewhat big names, but they, they've got an injury back, you know, history as well. So you got to kind of weigh that in as well. Do you want to give these guys the money? You know, you did, you did take a chance on Alex Leatherwood, you know, for me guys, uh, Riley Reef has, has done a solid job at right tackle. You know, I know he's a veteran, one-year contract. You know, if you want to bring in Riley Reef and, and, and Leatherwood, have him battle for right tackle next year, you know, that's not going to be a popular opinion from, from a, lot of the, a lot of the fans. But I think, you know what, that's something that you could live with if you go ahead and fortify, you know, the other the center. Center, to me, is, is a huge position. I'm not sure Lucas Patrick can play center in this, in this league anymore. I don't know. I haven't seen him do it. I know he can't play guard, left or right guard. So is he a center? We'll have to wait and see. But are you confident in having him as your starting center next year? So to me, center is a huge position of need. You know, left guard, you know, with with uh, Cody Whitehair, solid veteran, nothing spectacular. He's not great. He's not going to kill you. But is he, is he, can you go out and improve over Cody Whitehair? So those are positions that I'm, I'm looking for at guard uh, and, and specifically a right and center and a right tackle. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, those could be positions you might address in the draft and might say, you know what, we're going to go attack for agency in a defensive line, whether it's, we talked about, you know, um, Deron Payne, well, that, that's a guy everyone wants. You know, there, there's also the um, um, Hargrove from Philadelphia. You know, an under-the-radar an under the radar guy is Sheldon Rankins from the Jets. Unfortunately, he is, is gets hurt a lot, but he's an older guy that's got that that build, the, the quickness to be able to play some three techniques. So if you can get him on a, on a veteran deal, maybe maybe not as much money as, as the other guys, and bring him in here and then supplement him with a guy with a draft pick, that's another way you could attack it. There's multiple different ways you can get better here. And, of course, you haven't talked about you know, getting a receiver, probably more so that's going to be in the draft, You know whether you want to you know add to the tight end room or the way you want to go get a draft pick in terms of the running back. There's so many different levels <laughs> we can attack here You know, in, in terms of where there's deep, there's, there's team needs help. And, you know, and in terms of our free agents, you know, I don't think there's anyone really is going to be breaking the bank in terms of guys that you want to really bring back and resign, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Nicholas Moore, but again, not breaking the bank there, you know, this guy you want to bring back as a, as a veteran linebacker, but you know, there, there's just, you know, if you let him go, you know, you're going to have to get another linebacker now. So there's a ton of needs, ton of question marks on this, on this roster up and down, except the only question mark that I don't have is, is it at the quarterback position? Yeah. And it, it, I'd love to get your, 
point of view of Greg Gabriel's uh, position, he says he thinks that perhaps we just need one new starter at the offensive line because he thinks Braxton Jones, just like you think, is is the left tackle for the Chicago Bears now and into the future. Left guard, he says we can live with Cody White here one more year under his contract. He still believes in Lucas Patrick. I'm with you. I haven't seen him do it for the Chicago Bears. What I have seen is a guy who's injury prone, and sometimes guys like that start to, you know, and, and particularly a lot of offensive linemen for the Packers, they start to break down pretty quickly. At right guard, Tevin Jenkins, he says right tackle is perhaps the only position you go need to go out there and get a quality starter. Well, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I, I've told you guys before, you know, left tackle with Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins, a red guard, are, to me, are, are locks, right? Like I said, I just talked about Cody Wayher. Uh, I could live with him, but if you want to improve on him, I will have no problem because he's not a guy that's always consistent in terms of being, you know, uh, great in terms of at the point of contact and, and all that stuff. Center is a huge question mark. Center is a huge question mark for me. And then, and then right tackle. Right tackle, if you tell me you're going to bring back Riley Reed for another one-year contract and have Alex Leatherworth uh, compete with him at right tackle, you know what? I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to that. Okay. And you still have guys like Larry Borum and other some of the other young guys that are Jatir Carter that can also come in and give you some depth. So you know the offensive line might need not be as bad as we think it is overall, but there definitely some tweaking here and there. But for sure, going into the next season, I have the right guard and, and the left tackle that I, I want, you know, st- uh, starting there for me. And now I just gotta make sure I fill up all the other question marks along the offensive line. There you go. I got to give you an opportunity to talk about your guy because you always, always are praising this guy and he deserves more praise after today's performance. DeAndre Houston Carson. Yep. When is this guy going to get, you know, a, a break and become a regular starter? Because it seems to me that he's always making big plays. It seems to me that he seems to have a leadership uh, gravitas in that defensive backfield. If Eddie Jackson you know, for some reasons, injury is too serious. We might be, you know, if DeAndre Houston Carson has to be our free safety, would we be bad off? No. I mean, I, I think whenever whenever he's been put in a position to make plays, he makes plays, right? Whether it's on special teams, whether on defense. Now, is he the greatest athlete? Is, is he the, the, you know, the best? Safety? He's not that, but he's a veteran presence. He's a guy that today took two starting rookies, you know, basically, and 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 kind of guided this this team and, and held you know, for the, like for three quarters, the Green Bay Packers offense in check. He helped, help, help, held him, hold him in, in, in check there. So again, he's a guy that you know, another tackle for loss today. Yeah, what tackle for loss last week, and I, you know, you know, a couple of press breakups. So I think he's a guy. You know, always gets his one year contracts. Always kind of labeled as a special teams guy. But you know, like you said, if if, if Brisker comes back and and DHC is starting opposite of Brisker, I think that's going to be a solid you know duo. Obviously, I would like to have him signed to a longer term contract. Just kind of you know have him be able to kind of plant his roots here as, as a bear and, and for his future. And that way, you have a nice three you know a combo there with. Brisker, Jackson, and, and DHC, and if, if and if you know, God forbid, any injuries happen, you have a veteran like DHC to be able to step in too. And Elijah Hicks played solid today too for a guy again making his first start as a rookie. So you might have your four safeties that are already locked up if you're able to get DHC back under contract for next year. Mm. All right. So now next week we've got a buy, uh, and then. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> we got the Eagles and the Bills 
two of probably the top five teams in the National Football League. The Detroit Lions won again today. They annihilated the Jacksonville Jaguars, as I uh, predicted pregame on the Mike North Early Bear Special Show. And then they've got the the Vikings, who might you know will have definitely the NFC North clinched by them, and may not be playing a lot of their starters that day. So, are you thinking you know one in three the rest of the way? Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I think uh, realistically, I think the the Minnesota game will be the game that they'll probably end up uh, winning at the the you know the season finale there. Like I said, Minnesota's already going to probably clinch the division by next week, most likely. You know, so they'll they'll have that all wrapped up. They're going to be resting their starters for for you know for sure, um, or at least play the stars maybe half of the game or whatnot. And plus, it's here, and we know how you know they're, they're not big fans of playing in the outdoors. So uh, you know, Philadelphia, it's going to be a tough you know back to back weeks with Philadelphia and, and Buffalo. Uh, although you know what. I, I, this Bears team, if, if offensively they can get things, you know, rolling again in terms of getting Justin fully healthy and, and being able to, con, you know, go back to being what he was doing in terms of, you know, you know, running the football, getting those multiple carries, you know, they they can compete with them, you know, keeping points on the board. I just don't know if, if uh, you know, defensively they they could stop the firepower that that both the uh, the Eagles and the Bills present there. So that's gonna be tough games. Detroit, you know, the, you know, they might not be playing for anything, but you know what, you know, the Dan Campbells are going to be coming here to try to try and bite off. Actually, that, that's going to be in Detroit, so they're going to be, you know, trying to bite off kneecaps and all that stuff that they talk about. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a tough game. That that could be a game the Bears could win. I mean, they, you know, that's I'm not saying that they're going to lose that game. So, Detroit and Minnesota are, are two games that they could possibly go ahead and pull out. But again, if if you're the Bears now, if you're down to the last last two games, and, and then that could mean going picking second or picking seventh, you know, at that point. I'm gonna start jumping on the uh, let's let's score 30 points, but give up 35 and 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 move on to you know the second pick in the draft. So, excellent. Um, I there's another um, real quick thing that I wanted to ask you, and then we'll pull the plug. I mean, again, I could stay talking to you here for hours, uh, but uh, Jalen Hurts, who's a guy you know that I I fell in love with him in his final year at college and thought that he might be a, a worthy investment as a second rounder for the Bears, and now three four years later into the NFL, he's playing as a potential MVP candidate. I look at Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts very similarly, except that I think as good, maybe great as Jalen Hurts is, Justin Fields is going to be even greater, right? right. Right. So the thing with Jalen Hurts that that I had some pause about him in, in terms of coming out of college at Alabama, he didn't look like he was a, a guy that get the ball done and feel consistently. Went to Oklahoma under Lincoln Rally, had a sensational year, but again, just you know, had some some good throws, but the accuracy that the the position downfield just wasn't there. Um, you know, with Philadelphia, he came in, he, he started you know just do, doing the running thing and also, and then you know they kind of took steam there. You know, last year in that playoff game against the, against the Buccaneers, he looked horrible in terms of trying to get the ball down a football field. But what he did was, and one thing that you and I saw firsthand in, in Mobile is Jalen Hurts will work on his game. He will work on his craft. And he's a guy that his his his, his dad is a coach, so this guy grew up under a coach, so he's got those instincts, the you know the the, the work ethic, the the character, the, the it factor, if you will, for, for a quarterback. And he worked on his game, and and now. You put him behind a terrific offensive line. You put him behind a, a, a thousand-yard running back and two receivers on the outside, like Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, and, and a tight end before he got hurt, like Dallas, Dallas Goddard. And next thing you know, you have a guy who's an MVP candidate. You know, I watched that game Philadelphia last week and, and against against the, the Packers, and and they were running the same plays, guys, that the Bears run with Justin Fields, whether that's quarterback power, the quarterback 
or you know pull all these all these runs and and beyond hurts had 145 yards rushing versus the green bay packers so you know th this is this is, looks like it's, it's a trend now developing here in the nfl with some of these young younger quarterbacks right so you know if, if you guys are, are looking at jalen hurts now saying hey he's mvp candidate but yet a year or two you're guys are saying this guy's just a a bust you know just kind of envision that because because justin in college he showed the ability to get the ball downfield when i watched his tape at ohio state he showed an ability to to throw receivers open now again he also had great receivers at ohio state but his ability to like i said i've said before here go through a cover go through a read make plays with his with his legs not like he's doing now but at least escape make some big first downs show leadership show toughness and, and again showing the ability to, to be a, a down the field you know deep ball thrower he had one of the, the better uh, uh arm talent coming out of that draft in terms of accuracy as well ball placement you know he showed that in college so that for me justin is is well ahead of jalen hurts coming out of college as terms of as a thrower plus the fact that he's a better athlete i think over jalen hurts i think that and, and bigger as well i think that that just kind of leads you to what you can anticipate and you can look forward uh, coming going forward. And I, hopefully that's what Ryan Poles and, and, and his brain trust kind of envisioned there with the Bears offense is, hey, let's build an offensive line. You know, we got it. We got a solid running attack behind him. Let's get him a couple of receivers on the outside. You may have one with Donald Moody or you may have one with Chase Claypool. Let's get another stud on the outside for him. Let's, you know, let's compliment the tight end here at Cole Komet. And next thing you know, we could have an offense that scores at will. And then all we got to do now is and put all of our money, cap dollars, or a lot of our draft picks into building that defensive line. And next, and you already have a secondary, I think. You have a secondary in the making here. So you got to get the defensive line ready. You have a young linebacker, Andre Fajan, Jack Sanborn. You may have another veteran, Nick Morrow. You bring in a draft pick or two here and there. And you might have a, a defense that may not be a world beater, but could be you know mid to, to upper tier. And next thing you know, you have a defense or, or a team now, a whole team that can compete for, for a division title going forward. Outstanding work, Danny Shimon. Uh, when do you want to do our next Bear uh, Truth? Is that this Wednesday or the following Wednesday after that? Well, let's let's see. Uh, we, I know we, I was going into uh, this week looking we're going to do a Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins one, but I think you sprung a surprise on me saying you want to do Jack Sanborn. So either one, if you uh, you want to, you tell me which one you want to break down, and we'll, and we'll we'll break them down for you guys. Well, let's do a quick survey on in the chat room. Uh, so we said uh, Braxton Jones for sure. Tevin. Right, Tevin Jenkins or Jack Sanborn. Yeah, I, I think I would love to see Sanborn, you know, and then one of the offensive linemen, and I think Braxton Jones deserves uh, to be highlighted. Everybody knows what we have in Tevin Jenkins. I don't think anyone is disputing the fact that this guy is our current and future right guard. Where I still feel a lot of people are debating is the Braxton Jones that left tackle. So he deserves your attention mm. in bringing down his film. And uh, mm. and then let's yeah. let's talk about Jackson. Yeah, really know be about Braxton Jones at left tackle. He, uh, yeah, he's he. I, I tweeted it earlier. I, I know he's he's gotten in. Yeah, he's had bad games, but he's a rookie, guys. He's a rookie that that came out of Southern Utah, and he's he's going to hopefully be a 17 game starter at his, at his at a rookie in the NFL. And he's going to take his lumps, right? Just like we talked about Justin and some of these other other, other rookies, defensive backs taking their lumps. And and the one thing about with him is a full off season and an NFL weight room. You know, he's got the athletic ability, he's got the length, he's got the quickness, he's got the feet. You know, take a look at him on on these on these jet sweeps and, and him leading as a lead blocker on the outside athletic guy who can you know bury defenders on the, in the open field you know Braxton Jones is a guy that just give him some time let him develop you know he's going to be he is your left tackle of the future trust me on this one Bears fans and then Tevin Jenkins you know he's a guy that came in here I, I had obviously I, I I didn't like the pick in terms of him being a left tackle but I've always said this guy was made to play on the right side whether it's guard or tackle 
Uh, he's, he looks like he's, he's submitted himself a, a right guard. Had a couple of times today where he was, you know, kind of laid down on his ass. But, uh, you know, it's going to happen versus, versus guys like, you know, Kenny Clark, who was an all pro last year. So, you know, he's got to continue to get better, you know, get over the hump in terms of injuries and get stronger at the point of attack as well. But then tenacity and then nastiness he brings in the run game. Tevin Jenkins, that is, you always see him finishing guys, burying guys, especially when he chips and gets to that second level. So I think those are two bright spots on your offensive line. And like I said, the, the rest you can kind of fill in there. Yep. No, Matt says Braxton Jones plus the squat press equals Pro Bowl. <laughs> I remember we went to uh, uh, practice. I think it was, yeah, it was this year at uh, Hallis Hall. And no, it was a year or two ago. And, at Family Fest, and you looked at um, I forgot the, the player now. I think it was Kaleeb, and you said, "Look at that guy. That body is 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 has been transformed." A year after his rookie season, he hit the weights during the off season, and that body has been transformed. And I think we're going to see something like that with Braxton Jones too. He's going to hit the weights. This guy is dedicated to his craft, and he's going to have a different body uh, and have some more strength and and really improve from his uh, rookie season to his, his second season. Wouldn't you agree with that? I truly, I, I, like I said, I, I truly believe in him. Uh, I, you know, he, like I saw him at the senior bowl and I hadn't, I hadn't seen him prior to that, to be honest with you. I had not watched a lot of Southern Utah tape. Some of the senior bowl saw that size, saw the athletic ability, saw the movement skills. I'm like, all right, there's something here you can build on, you know, had an up and down week, the senior bowl bears got him in the fifth round. I think, I think that was, a, that was a nice find there. And then uh, obviously I didn't expect him to start right week one, but then, you know, he goes in training camp and, and he is the best man for the job. And again, he's had his ups and downs. He's had games where he's got run over uh, by defensive linemen. But again, that that's just kind of developing your core strength and, and just kind of refining your technique. But in terms of athletic ability, the length, the size, what you want, uh, and he's got everything you want in left tackle. And I think, you know, just don't give up on him yet, guys. He, he's a guy that to, to keep, you know, uh, honing in on there and watch his progress as he goes into year two or three and so on and so forth. All right. Everyone who is joining us now live in the chat room, hopefully you can join us on Wednesday night where uh, Danny, uh, Danny's bare truth will happen. I'll be joining him. We'll have tape to cut down of Braxton Jones and Jack Sanborn. And uh, we'll probably do another couple of, of those bare truth shows before draft on tap begins. And we're going to have uh, some new things with draft on tap that Danny Neil and maybe even Greg Gabriel are finalizing, and uh, it should be another exciting season of evaluating the talent with our barroom uh, draft experts. Danny, you're the absolute best. You want to give anybody a shout out? No, just, just uh, you know, uh, let, let's take this next week as as a buy. All kind of regroup and and and. Uh... Uh, just kind of retaking what, what's, what's happened so far this season. You know, we've talked about it, you and I, Aldo, uh, John and I have talked about it. You know, this is a season where, you know, wins and losses are, you know, they, they, you still want them, but it's, it's like, it's the progression you want to see the progression, mainly in, in number one, that quarterback. And I think we've seen it. I think I want to agree, you know, today was, was, it was a loss today. There was, there was two interceptions, but I think we saw in, in his assertion in terms of being more comfortable in the offense, making some plays from the pocket, uh, you know, limiting some of the, the, the design quarterback runs. And I think we just continue to build on that. So, you know, they, they had a mini bye week and they came out with that offensive uh, restructuring versus, uh, versus New England. Let's see what they do with the whole bye week. I know Iberflus touched on it here in, in his post game saying, you know, each player is going to be given three things they can improve on. You know, this, this next four game stretch, it's going to be a tough four game stretch. We just kind of discussed it real quickly here, but you know, you go in against three or four, three of the four are playoff teams right now, right? You go in there and you, and you win two out of two, or you went three out of one, you know, and uh, you know, it's not gonna make guys who are who, you know, wanting a high draft pick happy, but you know, it's going to show improvement. It's going to show this young team. Hey, 
we can compete some I guess some of these best teams in the, in the NFC, and that's going to just give them more confidence as as, as they catapult into the offseason and into the next season. There you go. Well said, uh, Danny. And uh, tomorrow's uh, schedule here on the Barroom Network, Greg Gabriel and myself are scheduled to go on sometime late morning or early afternoon. And then it's Bears Country podcast starting at 7 p.m. with Dan Shorty. I'm going to screw up his last name, so I wouldn't even attempt it. Dan, Mr. Shorty, and Dan Aguirre, and Cliff Victoria. So we've got two Bear shows uh, tomorrow and tons more throughout the week, as Danny and I just said, Bear Truth, on Wednesday night. So um, tons of really good afternoon football games going on right now. Let's go check them out. Danny, what do you say? Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Great job, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Goodbye, everyone.